What is up, everybody? It's Brett here, uh, just by myself. We have not dropped our regular podcast yet this week due to some scheduling issues, just trying to sort of line up all our schedules. So I wanted to put something out, uh, you know, as soon as possible. And, you know, considering the game I just watched, uh, now feels like an appropriate time to do that. If you don't know what game I'm talking about, I'm talking about Portland and Denver, game five at Denver. Nuggets beat the Blazers 147 to 140, but it's an instant classic. No question about it. One of the wildest, most entertaining games I've ever seen in my life. One of the greatest individual performances in NBA history by Damian Lillard. Unfortunately, it came in a loss, but can't really take away anything from what he did. It was just phenomenal. Um, 55 points, 10 assists, NBA playoff record, 12 three-pointers. It's a Blazers franchise record for playoff scoring. Broke his own record, which was 50, uh, which he set against OKC when he hit the famous game winner. Uh, First player in playoff history to go for 55 and 10. Uh, First player in NBA history, regular season or playoffs, to go for at least 50, 10 assists and and 10 or more threes. First player in NBA history to score 55 or more on 25 or fewer shots. You know, (laughs) all kinds of other shit I probably don't even know about. And, and but above all else, it was the clutch shooting by Dame that that stood out. Um, but it was just a wild game, and you know the the Blazers started off about as poorly as a team can start off. Denver got up like ten nothing right off the bat, and then extended that a little bit. The Blazers couldn't buy a bucket to start the game, and Denver was red hot from three, especially. And uh, at, at one point, in about midway through the second quarter. Denver was up by 23 points, but Portland closed out the first half on a 23 to six run over the final uh, five minutes. And uh, I think they ended up being down just three at the half, I believe. And then in the second half, the two teams pretty much just kind of went back and forth. I think it was, you know, within five points for pretty much the entirety of the um, second half in regulation. Um, Yusuf Nurkic fouled out with about four minutes to go. I believe that's the third time he's fouled out in this series. And I don't think he fouled out at all during the regular season. And the reason for that is pretty obvious. He's, you know, tasked with guarding the MVP. And the thing is he's, you know, single covering him. And I've said before, like, I think to beat Nikola Jokic, you, you have to single cover him because He's so big and he's such a great passer and he has such phenomenal vision that if you double him, he's he's just going to cook you all night. He's going to pick you apart. And Nurkic is, you know, one of the few guys that can do a pretty admirable job on him uh, by himself. And I think if he can stay on the court, that's a big advantage for Portland, at least compared to how other teams might match up against Denver. But unfortunately, he hasn't been able to keep his fouls in check. And I think a couple of the fouls tonight were pretty suspect. Like there was one where he was backing uh, Jokic down and got called for an offensive foul. It was pretty much just a flop by Jokic. Um, But, you know, you could say maybe he should know better and he he should know that's coming and 
but I mean, come on, like these are two, 300 pound guys. Like th there's going to be a little bit of contact. Um, and then he, he got called for an illegal screen. I wasn't sure about that either, but either way he fouled out. And, and when that happens and Zach Collins is of course injured, you know, you're left with Ennis Cantor and that's never a good thing, especially when you're playing with against Nikola Jokic. Jokic just eats Cantor for lunch every time he sees him. He just goes at him and it pretty much can score at will on him. And and the Blazers ended up going small uh, with Covington essentially playing center and guarding Jokic. And, you know, that they had some, they found some success with that. But, you know, anyway, fast forward to the first of Damian Lillard's big shots with about. Five seconds left. He uh he he has MPJ on him. They're down three. You know, definitely inside of ten seconds in regulation. Uh, he's got Porter Jr. on him, and he just pulls a wicked sidestep, kind of a sidestep slash step back, like almost this diagonal move that he does better than anybody probably in NBA history. Like uh, they should probably name that specific move after him because it's kind of like this hybrid sidestep step back and course drains it i think there's maybe three seconds left when when the ball goes through the net and um you know denver doesn't score and that it goes into ot and then um you know it's more of the same in ot just in denver you know all the credit in the world to them like they came out in the first ot uh with a lot of energy and hot and i i mean they might have got up by eight or ten i actually don't really have too many notes written down. I just wanted to get on this real quick, but they got up by, you know, a pretty nice little amount in, in the first OT. Uh, but then Dame just hits a couple of big threes. And uh, again, a very similar situation. They're down three. And uh, this time I think he's got Shaq Harrison on him and he pulls like this, you know, from the top of the key, he like drives to just inside the three point line and then does almost like a spinning step back on Shaq Harrison and drains just a ridiculous three to tie it. And I think with about six seconds left on that one and they get the stop and it goes into a second OT and Dame hits a couple more ridiculous shots. One of them, he goes glass from about, you know, probably 30 feet out. I don't know if he called it, but with the way he was shooting, who knows? Um, but ultimately it wasn't enough. There was some, some pretty big mental mistakes made by his Blazers teammates uh, you know, namely Robert Covington and CJ McCollum in the in, in kind of in the last couple minutes, like Dame, I don't know if he was just gassed or if it was the way that Denver was starting to cover him or, I mean, he made some great reads and all the credit in the world to Dame for, you know, having one of the hottest shooting games that's ever been witnessed on an NBA court. But he deferred to his teammates when, when they were open. I mean, he, he made some really great finds. A lot of guys when they're that hot, will just get tunnel vision and, and just shoot it, you know, no matter what, like, and, um, and they made a couple of incredible passes. Like he made one to CJ. I forget if it was in the first, I think it might've been in the first OT, but it was like a, it was like a cross court, like lefty whip pass off the dribble, like a pass that you like, you'd think only LeBron, maybe Luca, uh, could make maybe like LaMelo. I don't know, but it, 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 it was a very impressive pass, and uh, he had a few like that. He had a few great finds, and then they had a couple of chances down the stretch in, in the second OT. I think they were tied at 140, and then Michael Porter Jr. hit a, a corner three. That was probably the biggest shot of the game for Denver, just a real dagger with, I think, about a minute and a half left. He just drained it, and then Portland got it, and Robert Covington just – he had a basically an open dunk, certainly an easy dunk, and – 
And this was the set and he missed it. And it was the second dunk he missed in the game. The first one was off a putback. And he did kind of the same thing. He almost tried to like cock it back. And then like, it looked like if I were to try to dunk right now, like he wasn't even close. And then he does it again on like a, uh, like I think Dame found him under the hoop, a pretty easy dunk opportunity. And he just like co- tried to cock it back and just came up way short, just way off. Like he wasn't even close. I'd like to see a slow motion replay on those dunk attempts and see what happened. Cause he's like six, eight, six, nine. And I mean, you got to put that down, man. And so those were, those were brutal, especially that second one, just pretty inexcusable. And then um, CJ, you know, had had an opportunity after that where Dame made another. Uh, it was a good look, but the pass got tipped by Jokic um, to CJ in the in the corner, and uh, and he caught it after it had been tipped. And then he went to plant his foot uh, to to drive past Jokic to explode. And he stepped way, way, way out of bounds. He basically just, I mean, he was already, you know, just inside the the sideline out of bounds. And he um and he just took this big step back, like to to explode off and you know, it was clearly out of bounds. And it was just like too many mistakes like that. And it's like you hate to heap all this blame on the non-Damian Lillard uh Blazers players, but uh they were like, I think they were one of 13 combined in the two OTs. It, it was just brutal. It was like, you know, when you, when we got into the overtimes, I mean, it was, Dame was really uh, carrying the team single-handedly. And, and as soon as he made the decision to, um, to defer to his teammates, they just, they couldn't come through. So, I mean, I was saying during the game, like, this is like, we're looking at one of the greatest individual performances of all time, period. You know, if they get the win. And, and even in the loss, it's it still is, I think. But if the Blazers win that game and Dame has 55 and 10 with a playoff record, 12 three-pointers, and um, some of the most clutch shooting I've ever seen, anybody's ever seen. I mean, it was, it was an absolutely incredible performance. If the Blazers take that, like you're looking at, I would say, like a top five performance in NBA history, at least in the playoffs, I guess. I should narrow it down to. But, I mean, the playoffs is, is – you know, really where it counts if you think about it. So um, kind of a bummer, but anyone who knows me knows I'm rooting for the Blazers pretty hard in this series. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's hard to complain about a game that's just that much fun. Um, it's just, that was a wild one. It was a wild roller coaster. It was a long game. It was a lot of, um, a lot of just back and forth, <laughs> just a, Ooh, man, I'm still catching my breath, you know, here 20 minutes after the game ended. But it was a great one. And as far as the Nuggets, like, I uh, got to give MPJ a lot of credit. Like, he bounced back. He played really well. I think he was 10 of 13. Uh, and, again, just hit probably the biggest shot of the game for Denver. That corner three was an absolute dagger. Um, Jokic was pretty much his usual self. It, it was interesting when they went small on him. Um, you know, I thought he would have – used his size a little more and he was taking those weird Sambor shuffle fadeaways from like just inside the corner three, like on, you know what? I think he took a couple on Rocco, like one on mellow. And it's like, you know, what are you doing out there? Uh, and he wasn't his most efficient game ever, but you know, he was, he was still brilliant and and he, you know, he took advantage of Cantor. That's for damn sure. And he got Nurkic in foul trouble and he did what he had to do. Um, guys uh he's a problem he's he's tough to beat like i said i mean you what what are you gonna do 
you know, if you can't single cover him, what are you going to do? You're either going to single cover him with a guy that's too small or too bad, like Cantor or Rocco, or, um, or you're going to come with a double and he's just going to always make the right pass. He's going to always find the open guy, no matter where they are, you know, get a hockey assist at least. He'll just pick you apart. So yeah, we all know he's an absolute nightmare. Um, but the, the good thing about playing the nuggets is that like, no matter how hot they are and they weren't the whole game, but they certainly were in the first half and no matter how hot they are, how, they could get up by 20, whatever, but the, they have trouble getting stops and they, they don't protect the rim well, and they're they're certainly shorthanded. You know, obviously Murray's out, and uh, Barton and Dozier were also out tonight. Uh, so, very shorthanded team, not very good defensively to begin with. So you can kind of always get back in the game uh, against them. It's like if you're down twenty to the Lakers, you're you're in big trouble. You know, if you're down twenty to the Bucks, you're in big trouble. But if you're down twenty to the Nuggets, they'll let you back in it. They'll get up by twenty. Easier than just about anybody because their offense is so potent, even the shorthanded version of it. But uh, but they'll let you back in the game, and that's kind of what happened tonight. And then, uh, but like I said, that the second half and the OTs were just just instant classic material. One of the one of the better games I can remember seeing. I I hope you, everyone listening got a chance to watch it and weren't caught up in that in the Lakers getting blown out. I had that on my other screen with the volume down. One note on that one. I think I, I don't have too much more to say about Blazers Nuggets. I don't think. I guess Monte Morris deserves a shout out too. He had 28 points. Not the most efficient, but uh, but he was 10 of 11 from the foul line. And other than one pretty big missed free throw, he he definitely came through. He was the guy shooting all the free throws when they were playing the foul game, and he knocked most of them down and just uh just did his thing. He's one of those guys, man. You just trust. You know, I don't know if I'd ever trust him as a full-time starter, but like you really can't do any better for a backup. I would say it's like him and uh, Jalen Brunson, um, maybe a couple other guys that you know I'm not thinking of right now. But he, he's certainly at the top when it comes to backup point guards, and uh, you know, and I think they just like him in that role so much. That's why they're still starting Compazzo, even though even though Monty's probably a superior player. But yeah, again, you know, no complaints, even though my team lost. It was a hell of a game. And we're going back to Rip City. Uh, and, and yeah, I bet just about anything this one's going seven. Um, we'll see. We'll see what Dame can do next time. Like this performance is going to be pretty tough to top. What, one thing, and somebody in our Facebook group uh, asked like a couple of days ago, is, my, is Michael Jordan's NBA playoff record 63 points like in jeopardy of being broken? And I said... Dame's going to break it in game five. And uh, he damn near did. (laughs) He damn near did. And I wonder if he had just kept on shooting and not, you know, made those passes, even though they were smart passes to CJ Covington. I think uh, he found Mello for a couple of threes that Mello missed. But if Dame had just kept riding the hot hand, you know, he was, he finished only eight points away from, Jordan's record. I think if it had gone into another OT, I think he for sure would have broken it. And uh, and if he had just kept shooting, you know, because he kind of he had at one point I think scored like Portland's last seventeen points, and that was kind of when he, he he started deferring a little bit. And again, maybe he was just exhausted. I mean, I think I think he had to be um, with the performance that he he had. But I just wondered. I mean, that we were we were pretty close to seeing seeing Mike's record. 
you know, broken. Uh, not tonight, but I feel like Dame would be the guy to do it. And uh, and and also worth noting is that was the tied for the seventh uh, highest scoring output in NBA playoff history. Only six guys ever have scored more than fifty-five points. Uh, Michael Jordan did it twice. Uh, Elgin Baylor, uh, Donovan Mitchell in the bubble scored 57 against Denver. Uh, and then, uh, and then Charles Barkley and Wilt Chamberlain are the other ones, but yeah, I mean, seventh highest scoring game in NBA history, playoff history. And he did it on what? 21 shot, 22 shots. I think, I mean, the efficiency was incredible. Like I don't have it in front of me, but I think he was like, uh, let me pull it up. Not that you guys can't just look it up pretty easily. You don't need to hear it from me, but just so, uh, 17 of 24. Yeah, he took a couple at the very end. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 17 of 24, 70% from the field, 12 of 17 threes. So that's 70% on threes as well. And then nine of 10 for his standard 90% on free throws. And an incredible thing here is, yeah, he had the 10 assists. He only had one turnover. I actually didn't realize that until just looking at the box score right now. But to play just about 52 minutes, with that kind of usage, um, having the ball in his hand that much and, and to get 10 assists and just one turnover is absolutely incredible. I'm looking at all these other, you know, 55 plus point games, and I, I you know, I think he's the first one to do it with just one turnover. Anyway, that's ridiculous. And and also like talking about the 12 threes, I bet you nine of them at least were unassisted. That's what's so wild about it. Like these were almost all off the dribble, like pull ups, step backs, side steps. A lot of them very much contested. Um, these were not, you know, open catch and shoot threes. These were these were tough shots, and he hit twelve of seventeen. It was an absurd shooting performance, and for some reason you didn't see it. Please go watch the highlights. That's the last thing I'll say about that. I wanted to keep this one kind of quick here, but. I wouldn't be a uh, a Lillard fan and a Blazers fan and a basketball fan if I didn't talk about that game because it was incredible. And like I said, I was going to say about the Lakers game, the Suns are up by 33 with six minutes to go in the third. 33 points. And the Lakers are not – like there's no momentum. Like they're not coming back. They There's no indication that they could possibly come back from this, right? They're not trying to play LeBron any more than they have to. They were probably going to. So my question is this. Why is Chris Paul still in the game? When he aggravated his shoulder injury. And again, I had that game uh, with the volume down. So I don't know, you know, if any details have really come out about that yet. But uh, I know that he hurt his shoulder. He was in a lot of pain. I'm assuming it's an aggravation of what has been bothering him. He looked like he was in a lot of pain. And I'm just like. Not that that couldn't have happened at a different point in the game earlier, but it's like, why is he in the game with halfway through the third quarter? You're up by 33. This guy is, you know, 35, 36 years old. He's obviously been dealing with this injury. Why is he in the game? And I've asked this a lot, like just throughout these playoffs. I forget who I was saying it about before, but it was the same kind of thing. It's like, you know, you're up by 30. Like, why are your starters still in the game? It just, 
that's just a logic that I will never understand. Like if you're Monty Williams, it's like, okay, take out Chris Paul, take out Booker too. Like you could probably take out everybody, like give Javon Carter and, and, and Tory Craig and Frank, the tank, uh, some run and just see what happens. And it's like, okay, if it gets inside of like 15 or 20, even maybe bring those guys back like in the fourth or something. If, if it gets even remotely close, but it really did. And it might've got to 22 or something at one point, but it was just like, why risk it? You know, especially when you have a guy like Chris Paul, like you need to be careful with that guy, you know, use him when you need him. Don't have him out there when you're up by 33 and the game's, you know, damn near over um, for all intents and purposes. So that was weird. I need to look more into that. And I just hope that he is okay because they are not the same team without him or even without him at full strength. Uh, Let's see what the latest is on him. I don't know if anybody knows at this point. Monty Williams said, quote, he seems to be, Chris seems to be okay. They're going to get it checked out tomorrow, Wednesday. Fingers crossed. Uh, but if Chris can't go and AD can't go, like, does that kind of even out? I mean, I think this one's probably going seven. I think both of these series are going seven. I've talked about tonight. I bet anything, like I said, that Portland Denver goes seven. There's no way Portland's losing on their home floor, knock on wood. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think the Lakers, I think the Lakers probably get the next one at home, especially if Chris is, is hampered, you know, or, or of course, you know, if he's not playing, but we'll just have to see. And, uh, anyway, that's probably about it for now. Like I said, I just wanted to put something out there on this podcast feed. Normally, of course, we drop our episodes on Monday morning. It was Memorial Day. It was Memorial Day weekend. It, we we just kind of, our schedules kind of got out of sync. We'll be, uh, maybe we'll even record something, the three of us, at some point in the next couple of days, if we can line it up. I know Jacob's probably got a By the Numbers podcast dropping. Those are always great. Um, you know, check out his last one. It was Championship Indicators, a really good episode. Check out any of his, most of them are evergreen episodes, so you can just go go back months and and those are all still good if you're looking for some some really high quality content to listen to and at the very least we'll be back with our regular episode of the overstated nba show on monday we're going to get back on schedule but anyway i was just going to hit you with that i know i'm kind of rambling now i'm super tired uh so please excuse me but everybody take care and uh and go watch those lillard highlights if you didn't see the game all right thanks for listening peace Thank you.